A Weekend with Jason Dacey Replay from Money FM 89.3. Thank you for staying with us here on Money FM 89.3. This is our International News Week in Review. And for that, I'd like to welcome back to Money FM Mark Laudy, the CEO of Ongbao Medium, renowned, uh, I guess I should say, uh, journalist and broadcaster, been in the business a long time. Good to see you again, Mark. Too long. Good morning, Jason. All right, Mark, let's start with something that uh, you've been following closely because you have that German uh, connection uh, as well as Australia and Singapore. Uh, the European Council President Donald Tusk has re- recommended that the EU approve the Brexit deal at a summit. We heard about that in the news with uh, the UK Prime Minister Theresa May arriving in Brussels yesterday ahead of the uh, summit there. Uh, so this looks like a positive thing for the UK. This looks like a positive thing for the Brexiteers. Um, whether it's good, going to be good for the UK, of course, is uh, yet to be seen. But let's take a step back. We still need to make sure, or rather Theresa May still needs to make sure, that she's actually going to get her Brexit plan through the House of Commons. And whether every MP and every Brexiteer has actually read the reputed 585-page report, uh, of course, is another question. The EU can say whatever it wants. If it doesn't get through the House of Commons, we're still headed for either an off-the-cliff hard Brexit or maybe, just maybe, somebody you know has some sense and says, actually, maybe we shouldn't go down this route at all. Well, 29th of March 2019 is when the UK is scheduled to leave the EU, but it's been a lot of uh, potholes along the road for the UK, for Theresa May. Uh, you know, she's been an incredible pressure. So what's uh, ahead for her in the near future and how important is this um, summit in Brussels? It's hard to imagine that Theresa May will get voted down in the House of Commons and remain Prime Minister. Clearly, there will be other people who will be agitating to step forward. And it just goes to show how flawed the process was from the beginning. There was no roadmap uh, to, to really see, firstly, that the electorate was informed about what it is that they were voting for or what was going to happen if things didn't turn out that way. And, and so, you know, Everybody seems to be putting on a brave face, but in, in actual fact, it is nothing short of a shambles. And the fact that Donald Tusk, even ahead of this uh, uh, agreement today, later today in Brussels, you know, when, when he says things like, you know, the best option would still be for the UK to stay, it, it's, it suggests that they might, that door might even be open and that they're willing to tear up that letter uh, with the UK deciding that it was going to leave. Well, you have, uh, you know, you had German parents, you lived in Germany for a long time and you've been monitoring the German language media. What's the perspective from Germany about what the UK is doing and the process in general? They all think they're crazy. Um, and, and you can probably tell that by my commentary too. The, the fact is that e, the, the EU as a 28-member um, block certainly has some issues. There's no question of that. And, and you can talk to Germans and the French and the Italians and everybody else. They all think that certain things need to change. But leave is another story altogether. And, and once again, you know, for the UK to, dump, to dive head over heels into the unknown in this way, um, you know, even if there are other states that might agitate to leave the EU, I, I can't imagine that they would have a referendum in much the same way and, and follow the UK down this cliff. We're speaking to Mark Laudy, the uh, CEO of Angpao Media. You know, let's say the UK does eventually, you know, exit um, the EU and Brexit takes place. Are we likely to see much nationalism in other European states, do you think? Uh, you know, maybe there's going to be a trigger effect, a domino effect. There'll always be some people who look to the UK as an example for how might we do it here in uh, the Netherlands mm. or, or Portugal or wherever? But, you know, the, 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 the vast majority of people who look back on hundreds of years of European history 
which has been racked by war several times every century, will be looking to the EU and saying, you know, we don't really like the way that the folks in Brussels are telling us what to do, but to go back. Go back to how it was, you know, even uh, in in nineteen thirteen, nineteen fourteen, before the First World War broke out. No, thank you.、Um, you know, we'd much rather have our smartphones and cappuccinos. Now, you spoke about how badly the UK has done this as far as Brexit's concerned, with no real roadmap, and we can relate this to the country where both of us grew up,、uh, Australia,、uh, where they had a, a push for a Republican movement in the nineteen nineties, and that was、uh, shot down.、Uh, Yeah, just talk about how they did it. It was John Howard at the time, the Prime Minister in the late nineteen nineties. That was a lot better because, at least at that point, they knew what they were getting themselves into. The Australian populace. Yes, and it's funny because living in that in Australia at that time, you always thought that a declared monarchist like John Howard was、mm. really just trying to buy time. But his constitutional convention, in hindsight, seems like a really good idea. So when this Republican、um, push, this national push. Uh, really came to the fore. He declared, "We're going to get 150 people together. Not everybody voting from day one. We're just going to get 150 people. 75 of them voted for by the electorate. 75 appointed by the government from all walks of life, all walks of industry. We're going to sit them down together, and we'll divide them into four camps. There will be the monarchists, and then there will be three groups of Republicans."、Uh, the minimalist no,、uh, model was called the McGavin. Model after one of the state governors, and and the idea was then to thrash out not just should Australia become a republic, but which model should we adopt?、Mm, which is precisely、mm. what the UK didn't do in its、yes. Brexit vote. It was just whether stay or go, right? Stay or go, and so that when the referendum actually then came around to vote on what this people people's convention had decided on,、uh, that was the sixth of November, nineteen ninety nine. In case you're really interested,、mm. um, uh, sure enough, it failed. Because some of the Republicans, even some of the Republicans, voted against the models that were being put forward, such as the Prime Minister being able to dismiss the President. But at least people knew what they were voting for, and it was still fairly close. It was fifty-five to forty-five、mm. um, in favour of keeping things as they are—a constitutional monarchy with a Governor General being appointed by Her Majesty the Queen. So, you know, at, again, once again, we can say that okay, maybe John Howard was trying to buy time,、yeah. uh, you know, divide and conquer. Much rather,、mm. you know, give them many models and then <laughs> then it'll fail. Yeah. But but certainly, looking at Brexit now, you'd、mm. have to say that that was a much better way to go.、Mm. This is our international news week in review with Mark Lowdy, renowned journalist. We're talking about Australia, you know, where I just came from after a couple of weeks, and I was in my hometown of Sydney, Mark, and I was noticing how. Congested and infrastructures、uh, really under stress at the moment, and it coincided with a report that Australia's population is projected to hit 42 million by the year 2066, and likely to reach 30 million around the end of the next decade. With Melbourne expected to overtake Sydney as Australia's biggest city within 20 years,、uh, you know, and we see how packed、uh, the cities are in Australia. Well, excuse my cynicism, Jason, but I have to say, a country the size of Australia—it's—it's,、uh, you know, sounds fairly hollow when they complain about a population explosion. I'm no—I'm not going to make many friends with this, but the fact is that Australia does not have a population problem. Australia has an urban sprawl problem,、mm-hmm. and while clearly not everybody wants to live in a high-rise building, you—you you have to look at Australia's、uh, resources, natural resources, lack of water. 
um, you know, some people even argue Australia shouldn't even have an agriculture sector because it's so dry. So dry yeah. um, and so in that sort of environment, to, to continue to let the cities expand because everybody wants a quarter acre block and a little bungalow sitting on it, clearly that's not going to be sustainable. But I cannot see how how the Australian population can be persuaded that they need to build up rather than out. So I suspect we're going to be hearing a lot more com- you know, complaints about the population explosion for some time. Let, let's, let's remind ourselves, Australia is an island continent. Okay, It is about the same size as Brazil and Canada. Yet the population density at three per square kilometre is far behind, you know, for example, China, 143 per square kilometre. Uh, and even if you add, you know, a couple of hundred thousand people, get over it, you know, <laughs> just just find other ways to accommodate them. And yeah, maybe, you know, maybe build more. Well, how about building up rather than out? Right. How about replacing road with rail? Remember, Australia mm. was founded at a time the cars were already in abundance. Mm. So clearly there, that, that urban sprawl was was helped by the fact that people could get around easily. Uh, and if, if, you know, what people should be saying isn't, oh, you know, in order to be sustainable, we should have fewer people. You should be saying, in order to be sustainable, we need to change the way that we live, change the fact that we don't, everybody, you know, goes for a quarter acre block and uh, mm. and, and a little bungalow on it. Or go to Western Australia where you spend a lot of time because there's lots of space there. Yes. And, and again, you know, I, I get it. Nobody wants to necessarily live in Morrowa, uh, <laughs> you know, and if you don't know where that is, look it up on the map. I mean, it's it's... Clearly, there are remote areas within within Australia. Um, personally, having spent some time in, in Port Pirie, I, I would say it is it, it would be good for more Australians to move out of the cities. Uh, there is lots of space there. The only question, of course, is economic opportunity, which which mm. is another conversation altogether. Um, but once again, you know, when when you read this report, like this population report that came out recently, and they talked about you know Australia having one of the highest growth rates. And then you look at the empirical numbers and, the, you know, Australia's added 300,000 people. I mean, to, to, the, to the Asian ear, which is used to hearing about 550 million people yeah, in yeah, ASEAN yeah. and yeah. 1.3 billion <laughs> in China, you know, adding 300,000 people a year doesn't sound yeah. like, uh, like a big deal. Can handle that. Well, let's uh, switch our focus in our international news week and review with Mark Laudy to Taiwan. A couple of uh, big stories coming out of Taiwan, which uh, is of interest to a lot of Singaporeans. Taiwan rejecting same-sex marriages in a blow to the island's reputation is a bit of a trailblazer in this area. And also President Tsai Ing-wen quitting as leader of Taiwan's governing party after defeats in local elections. Well, you know, uh, Taiwan obviously has a number of issues that it's going out on its own about. And uh, the fact that it's culturally so separate now from the mainland of of Mm, China does raise the question that uh, if the Chinese make good on their threat, promise, mm. uh, to bring Taiwan back yep, into the fold, back into the fold yeah. whether culturally they'll, get, they'll, they'll actually be able to get along. And, and I realize that might sound a bit strange, but you only have to look at what's happening in Ireland to see a parallel of that. Northern Ireland and Ireland are, in theory, they're both Irish, they're right? They're, they're, yeah. They live on the same island. They have the same rugby team. They have a united rugby team. Yep. But they're not united in every other way. Yet they? when you listen to the Brexit conversations and and the, the commentary about, you know, if there is no hard stop as a result of Brexit and, and there is a, a land border again, how much would that drive people apart? And that the stories you're hearing is that the Northern Irish are actually already apart from the Irish. They already have very dif- distinct yeah, cultures. Different by the, accent. Different accent, right, by the, by the influence of, uh, of the, uh, the English, shall we say. And so bringing the Northern Irish and the Irish back together again in case that there is a reunification of some sort mm. post-Brexit is actually – not as 
uh, as realistic as your intuition would suggest, because again, because of that cultural difference. When I now look at Taiwan and China, much the same thing. You know, the fact is, as the fact that Taiwan even had this referendum yeah, yeah. on on whether to allow gay marriage. Can you imagine that in mainland China? No way. And, and so for, the, for those cultural differences to be bridged, that's, that, mm. if, if it does come to some sort of reunification, that's going to be a very, very uh, big, big job for, for China to handle. You have to remember, too, that Taiwan has recently lost yet another um, supporter. Taiwan now only has 17 countries around the world that recognize it. As opposed mm, to Beijing, yeah, as an autonomous nation. Correct. El Salvador uh, was was one of the most recent ones to throw their weight behind Beijing, away mm, from Taiwan. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a, a Swaziland or Eswatini, as it's called these days in in South Africa, that's still supporting Taiwan. Um, but you know, so Taiwan is in a in a in a difficult spot, and and as as important as gay marriage might be to be uh, to some people, you know, there are some much bigger trends at play that would suggest that um, this will barely register on the. Um, on the, on the scale of history where Taiwan is concerned. Well, next on our international news, we can review with Mark Laudy. Let's talk about the U.S. Uh, it's the Thanksgiving weekend holiday in the U.S., Mark, and Donald Trump was tweeting about the cold weather and kind of a mm. reference to uh, climate change. But what about the report that unchecked climate change will cost U.S. hundreds of billions of dollars and damage human health and quality of life? And this was a U.S. government report. Mm. Donald who? Well, you know... The, the, <laughs> the, yes. The, you know, the... What what uh, what I would be really curious to find out is what it would be what it is like now to be working at the EPA, the Environmental mm. Protection Agency, or or working anywhere in the U.S. government, where you've had a president previously who uh, might have had his faults, but seemed to be um, a tad more reasonable about things, and now all of a sudden you have to change your tune in order to accommodate um, this. Um, Guy who's kind of blown in with with no political experience at all. What was his name again? I, yeah, Trump, look, something I, I, like that. Yeah, I can. It's the back of my yeah. Mind. So you know the um, the the fact is that it, it seems that there is a lot of rebellion going on at the civil service in the United States. By rebellion, I mean that people are saying, you know, well, I have to kind of pay lip service to the to the new commander in chief, well, not so new anymore. Mm. But I, at the same time, we we still have to speak truth to power, and 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 I silently rejoice whenever I, I hear a report which offers a, a diversity of views because it's very easy to slip into that into that mode where you think that all Americans are as crazy as Donald Trump is. And I, I hear there are a few who aren't. Yeah, yeah. It's good to get some sense, uh, even if it is uh, pushing back from a U.S. government report. Mark Lowdy, many thanks for the moment. Uh, we're going to have more from him in a moment right here on Money FM 89.3. This has been our international news week in review.